Welcome to the It Is Better To Know podcast. This is Anne. I'm Cecilia. And I'm Valerie. This is a podcast where we use our expertise as pharmacists to break down relevant health topics and make them easier for you to understand. Now let's get started. You got me curious. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of It Is Better To Know podcast. I'm Valerie, your host for today, and joining me are my lovely two co-hosts, Anne and Cecilia. Hello, everyone. You sound so enthusiastic for the holiday. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know why? Because it's almost the end of 2020. Let me tell you, it has been a hell of a year for all of us. Like, needless to say, we had the COVID pandemic happen. And it's still happening. Um, But then on the same token, we also have the vaccine being released. Got all these crazy things happening in the meantime with like, you know, stocks plummeting and going back up. And like people dyeing their hair pink because of the pandemic. We got mask me going on. We just so many things have happened in 2020. And not to mention the launch of our podcast, right? I mean, that's in itself is something that we um, need to mark that down on our milestones. So, um, Yeah, one of the things that I wanted to also really talk about is that commitment to ourselves too. And so I think that it would be appropriate for us to chat about our New Year's resolutions for today's Mindless Chatter. And on that same note too, when it comes to mindfulness, uh, I really am fond of our episode number four and five on the five tips that we give on how to worry less and live more. For myself, my issues were that I have problems being present in the moment and setting priorities. Do you guys remember what your uh, things were that you wanted to to work on a little bit more for from those worry less and live more episodes? I do remember I talked about uh, wanting to improve my self-care, but actually, I actually want to talk about uh, now, I think it's important for me to recognize that I should practice gratitude. I saw this really nice quote that said, 2020 is actually not the year to get everything you want, but actually the year to appreciate everything you have. So Mm -hmm. that really struck a chord with me. And I think it's uh, important for me to recognize that I am still lucky in these times to be able to virtually connect with people that I love and to be able to have virtual parties and to have the outdoors that we can explore nature in in Canada. I totally second that they have studies done on being, you know, grateful. And they say that it actually makes you 25% more happier if you just kind of think positively. If all it takes is just a second to think positively and it makes you way happier, then I think as everyone should try to kind of count your blessing and think about the good things that you have in your life. Hmm. I think one of the funniest things that I saw too on social media when the whole uh, when we were at the beginning of the pandemic where everyone had to isolate and do everything virtually was the um, blowing of candles for um, birthday parties. I think I don't know if there were other people that were just maintaining their social distance and they were kind of recording it so other people could see. But instead of the birthday person actually blowing on the candles they were using a fan to actually extinguish the the candles so i thought that that was very funny <laughs> a lot of people great. are super creative with all of the ways that they uh, cope with uh, getting around the to to maintain that sense of normalcy during the pandemic sometimes i but, wonder if that will ever come back because when you really think about it that is not the most sanitary the thing way. right <laughs> kind of yeah. blowing on a piece of communal dessert that everyone's going to take part in eating. I actually think this pandemic has has brought a lot of kind of more gross, uh, unhygienic things that we do to light. So I don't know what the world will look like after the pandemic is over and we're all vaccinated. It'll be interesting to see. We'll talk more about our personal take on how 2020 personally went for us and the things that we're working for, we're working towards for 2021. But before we go on to talking about New Year's resolutions, let's get to today's topic. So 
Everyone experiences this to varying degrees every single day. It's worse depending on where you live, as it's affected by humidity, aging, certain medical conditions, and dry weather conditions cause this as well. Yes, we're talking about dry skin today. And I know that when I am pulling off my pants and I see flex flakes of white skin that I am neglecting my skin and that I need to moisturize. Do you ladies have any skin skin woes or like how how are your hands doing these days? You know, increase the hand washing and sanitizing countless time at work, especially with the pandemic. And especially when we live in Canada with the harsh winter weathers, cold weather definitely is one of the causes of dry skin. I mean, imagine the amount of water retaining your skin and then the dry air from the weather kind of sucking it out of your skin, especially that we have to crank up the furnace and the air coming out of that furnace is even worse. I agree with that. I personally, I find that every winter I usually do get drier hands anyways, and I'm not that good at moisturizing. So I found that this year with the pandemic, with all the frequent hand washing and hand sanitizer, my hands are more dry than normal. So I definitely do have more dry skin woes. I think I can pretty much relate on that sentiment too, especially for the winter time, the 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 biggest things or areas on my skin that are dry would be my my face and my my hands that I pay attention to. My legs are dry, fairly dry too. It's but it's I it's not something that's always in front of me. So I kind of neglect it in the sense of I probably should be better with when it comes to moisturizing that area. Uh, so let's peel off the layers of complexity of this dry skin topic. And dry skin by definition is a loss of moisture on the skin surface. So it's a loss of um, the water and the oil that we are missing. And as we had mentioned before, this is a very common condition that everybody experiences, no matter what age you are. It tends to be a little bit worse, though, um, as we age, because our body's natural ability to produce the oil um, gets diminished over time and our skin also gets thinner. So if you find that your skin could get quite dry, another thing to look into is that trying to reassess the soap and detergent you use and see if that is the culprit of your dry skin as well. Swimmers, for example, when they get exposed to so much chlorine water, they can have really harsh effects on the skin. I could see that. I used to go like swimming quite a bit and I would find that it actually did have, the chlorine did have effects on my skin. So I could see that, uh, you know, certain chemicals and detergents could make your dry skin worse. Especially, you know, long hot showers. So that will strip away our natural oils as well. So that is another reason. So would you say that it's better to use lukewarm water when you bathe or shower? I would say, but I I really like my hot water. So I, <laughs> <laughs> once again, <laughs> it's easier say than done. So I like my shower hot. So I always crank up that hot water. Especially during the winter, it's just so nice to be able to bathe and bathe or shower in this hot hot water until you get out of the the tub or the shower. Then it, the whole air just kind of hits you, and then it's worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also find that uh, it's dry skin is also aggravated in certain skin conditions. Like for example, if you have eczema or psoriasis, then that's also another predisposition to having dry skin. And also, if you have diseases like diabetes, actually, you can be more at risk of having dry skin. And the, there's a little bit uh, of uh, two theories behind this. So uh, one of the theories is that the high sugar levels in the blood can actually zap the moisture away from the skin tissues. And the second theory behind this is that poor circulation in diabetic patients can also cause like the sweat glands to slow or shut down. So those are some Conditions where dry skin can also be exacerbated. Sometimes even some medications that you take by mouth, so things like water pills or or antihistamines, so these would be for allergies, and also strong acne medications like Accutane, those can also make just make dry skin more of a problem. I heard that people were applying like rubbing alcohol and witch hazel as well to dry patches of the skin. Now, apparently that does work to remove the appearance of dry skin, but doing so can actually really dry out your skin even more. So they recommend if that if you do use rubbing alcohol with hazel, 
then um, for dry skin, then you're not actually helping your skin. You're actually drying it out even more. What, if you were to describe dry skin to me, to an average person, like how would you actually describe it? I actually saw a dermatologist who uh, she's named Dr. Sandy uh, Scott Nikki, and she had actually described it as the following quote. And I it really struck a chord with me. So I just wanted to repeat it and see what you guys think. So she said, think of your skin like a brick wall. The cells are the bricks and the mortar is your skin oils. And with dry skin, the mortar is dysfunctional or has been removed. And water and soap, low humidity and wind can do that. So if you have a dysfunctional barrier or that mortar or natural oil is missing, you'll have dry skin. That went right over my head. <laughs> but I mean, for me, like one of the key symptoms of dry skin is just like itching. So if usually if you have dry skin, then you notice that you have like red patches on your skin. And those red patches, if you don't moisturize it, it becomes really itchy. If you feel like the temptation of wanting to scratch, then just don't because scratching it, even though it can may control the itch, um, is actually, you know, lead to an infection because now you kind of break open the layer of your skin and could potentially lead to an infection of some kind. So in, in the future, if you do feel that you need to um, to scratch, then just put something cool on it, like a cold pack and moisturizer doesn't work, then you can also use like a, a hydrocortisone or a steroid cream that you can purchase over the counter. But for the average person, if you are catching the dry skin early on enough, then you could probably just do away with moisturizing. And the key with moisturizing is to, to do it often. And if you have very sensitive skin, you might be better off purchasing unscented, non-alcohol-based products. Usually, they throw in these extra ingredients for marketing purposes like fragrances and organics, but they don't actually have much benefit and could actually end up irritating the skin further. And I just wanted to recommend some brands because I know that Avino has a really good product line of moisturizers in general. And if you're looking for something specifically for the hands, like if you have the same problems as we do with the uh, dry skin on the hands, O'Keefe's Working Hands actually has really good reviews. And I know it's worked quite well anecdotally from some people. And uh, but last but not least, I just wanted to mention Dove because that's another excellent line. And their formula is actually balanced to the same pH of the skin. I love their little jingo too, Dove. Love the skin you're in. Uh, and, and I think too, this is kind of on an unrelated note, but I, I really like their marketing campaign too that Dove has because they promote all of the different types of uh, body shapes, I guess you could say, right? And Dove is very pro different body types. And you can see that in their marketing campaigns or commercials and, and all of that. So I think it's just a very positive um message to send to women and to men that they can feel comfortable in the skin that they're in no matter what shape or no matter what color no matter what age you are so that's just kind of a um a, a side thought there and i mean there's like a lot of uh, creams and lotions on the markets that has like a moisturizing factor to help rehydrate your skin so whatever it is and whatever your pocket type is, you there's always a moisturizer that works for you. When you go to like the pharmacy or, or just like the grocery store and you're picking out a product, there's lotions, creams and ointments. So how do, how do you know which one of these like you should use when you have dry skin? Let's talk about that. I think to answer that question, we probably just have to go back to the basics first and explain what ointments, creams, lotions, gels, what they actually are. The main thing that you need to consider when you're talking about these different pharmaceutical preparations or these different formulations is that they differ by two things, their water content and their oil content. So in order of the lightest formulation to the heaviest formulations, so what I'm referring to by heavy and light is the level of oil or greasiness. From lightest to heaviest, you have the lotion, creams, and ointments. And the lotions are similar to creams in terms of their water content. Uh, they, they're mostly water, actually, uh, but they have an even lighter and thinner formulation. 
for creams, usually it's about 50% oil, 50% water held together by something called an emulsifier. And here is a comparison to explain what emulsifiers actually do. When you have vinegar and oil together as though you are making a dip for Italian bread, they separate because they don't actually mix. But when you add an emulsifier, it allows the two different liquids to mix, creating a uniform formulation. We have also the ointments. So ointments are actually mostly oil sitting at around 80% or more. And their water content is 20% or there could be no water content at all. I like your bread and oil and vinegar analogy because that actually makes me think of obviously food and I'm quite hungry. (laughs) Are you trying to make us hungry, Valerie? Now I actually... I guess, well, I did have um, some spaghetti right before I am taping this. So I guess I'm I'm kind of hungry still as well. (laughs) I can never turn down bread. Yeah, Um, or anything that has to do with Italian food. Have you guys been to Italy before? I have not. That's on my to to travel list in the in the future. Mm-hmm. I have. It's it's different than what I imagine. I thought it's more when you see like um when you see Italy, I just always have that visions of like, this grandiose. Yeah, but it's very romantic. I, yeah, mm-hmm. very romantic. But then as the as the drive from the airport to the city, the country looks like really poor to me. Like it's not very developed. And oh really? Like yeah, the housing is just—it's not to the a standard. Bit dilapidated. Have, yeah, it's not in the standard that we have in North America. So that was a little bit different, um, in my opinion. But my bucket list is uh, Japan. Definitely, that is my country that I would like to visit if we're able to after this pandemic is over. What we about will. You, we just have to be optimistic. Oh yeah, for sure. And with uh, vaccinations coming out I think maybe it'll be interesting to see when we can actually truly safely travel again but um, in regards to for for me I haven't actually I think I don't know if I mentioned it to you guys but I haven't actually been anywhere outside of Canada since 2010 (laughs) (laughs) yeah no I'm serious it was a shocking shocking fact it's not shocking at all though is it back in 2010 I went to LA for three days for a k-pop concert Uh, it was a SM concert like the SM as in the entertainment label. So it it was very fun and exciting, but that was that was the that was the first and last time that I went out of Canada actually. Like what do you do on your vacation if you don't travel? Oh man, there are always vacations. Because she lives under a rock. No, I'm just kidding. I, do. <laughs> I think uh, Valerie is very productive on her staycations. I'm nothing wrong with that. I guess you can save a lot of money if you don't travel. I guess it's not for everyone's um you know, lists of hobbies. Everyone has different type of what they like to do. Well, but I think yeah, as I'm older, though, I do want to travel more. But the thing is that you need um, money. A, <laughs> I was going to say like and a good stomach and, and a good bladder. Oh. You know what oh, I mean? Okay. <laughs> I'm because right, I'm preoccupied not, with. That's not what I was going to say. <laughs> no, it's not. You guys, I just, you guys have to think, what's the most boring, mundane answer that a person can possibly give about any particular subject? You got to think about like what, think on my terms here. So um, <laughs> I feel like I have to watch what my water intake is actually like uh, because I'm pre- preoccupied with, oh no, when's the next washroom opportunity going to be? So then I withhold drinking water, then I get a headache and then I can't enjoy myself. So it's actually kind of a process for me to to enjoy myself during vacations are you like are you talking about like going on a cruise no because if you travel on your own you have the you know the opportunity to go to the washroom whenever you feel like now mind you don't go to europe because washroom there is kind of rare and few in between and you actually have to pay to go to the washroom and it's very hard to find so in your case maybe europe should not be on pay to go to (laughs) the washroom yeah Yeah, you have to pay like are you serious a dollar too and if uh, like you actually need to always carry change with you always otherwise they won't let you go in but you know for like public washrooms yeah for public public washroom it's not it's not accessible 
that's a common thing that about Europe you should know uh, because you should always carry change around if you do want to go to public washrooms. But I actually went to Europe uh, last year and I am very proud to say I did not pay for any public washrooms once because I... Because you use the restaurant to dine, right? Exactly. So you exactly, use restaurants yeah. and cafes and then you plan out your trip very accordingly. And then you always have to go to a washroom at least twice during each uh, restaurant or cafe trip to maximize your, your time right. there. And uh, the other thing is uh, you can also you can also Google because a lot of the fa- famous landmarks will tell you where the closest free public washroom is. So, for example, we went to the Eiffel Tower, and there are free public washrooms there, but it's not a widely known fact. So you just have to Google and know what they look like and know what signs to look out for. Um, the caveat to that is that you might have to wait a very long time because we did find a free public washroom near the Eiffel Tower, and we had to wait in line. So it was actually really cool, though. Was one of those, uh, and I don't know if you've been to bidets? it. Uh, no, it's not a bidet, but it's one of those. Um, it's just kind of like a standalone, like uh, washroom by itself. So it's one person at a time, but it cleans itself after everyone uses it. So that's why actually it took so long oh. to wait in line because after everyone uses it, then you come out and then it actually does a whole thing where the, the light flashes red and you can't go in and it's cleaning itself and then it, the light will flash green and then you can go in. It was actually oh. kind of traumatizing because I remember going in there and then I couldn't figure out how to flush the toilet because uh, it kept talking to me in French and I I couldn't figure it out. So I just left and I told my friend who was going after me, I'm sorry if it's not flushed. But actually the cool part is when they clean it, they do flush it for you. Right. But Oh my gosh, that's so high tech. It is very high tech, but I understand your fears, Valerie, because I am also, um, I do have a tiny bladder, so I often (laughs) have to go pee. So that is a concern for me when I travel, because uh, sometimes I'm traveling with people who, you know, have a higher tolerance (laughs) before they need to go um, to the bathroom. So it's always me being, uh, I need to go to the bathroom. (laughs) Right. We have to find one. And it, it is stressful. I wanted to just get back to our our topic when we're talking about water content in these different formulations. The higher the water content, the more readily absorbed it into the skin it is. So you'll really probably only rely on lotions, creams, and ointments for moisturizers, not so much the gels. So we didn't really talk about it too much earlier. But gels actually don't really hold the moisture for that long. You'll find them mostly in cosmetic products as a refreshing moisturizer after cleansing the face. For me, the idea is just to keep moisturize your skin. Like the idea is just frequent application. So every time you wash your hands, um, you just have to moisturize, moisturize, moisturize. If it helps, just carry like a small travel side tube with you. Now with that say, in general, the rule is that um, like Valerie mentioned, you don't really see gel as part of a moisturizer normally uh, on the shelf you would normally see just either lotion cream or ointment and the rule is that the thicker and the greasier moisturizer is that is usually the more effective it will be and most of the product that you see on the market nowadays they have um, the following ingredients like ceramide glycerin petroleum which is another name for vaseline and, you know, lanolin, mineral oil, urea. So those are all under the umbrella of what they call humectants. And the idea is that this product, when they add it to moisturizer, it helps seal the moisture and reduce the amount of moisture being lost from your skin. So if you, you know, if you have really dry, cracked skin, then then definitely pick one of that ingredients. Uh, with that say, a lot of when you get to the thicker product it get greasier and a lot of people don't like that cosmetic appealing uh, from using vaseline for example then um then i mean they the cheapest and the most effective but uh, they contain no water at all and most people tend to use it after like bathing for example when your skin is too still damp then you just apply the vaseline on so that it can seal the moisture on you but personally even though it's cheap and the most effective, I find that I really don't like that greasy sensation of Vaseline. Valerie, you mentioned earlier that you use Vaseline. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have Vaseline in your backpack? Like, do you use it just for your body or just mainly for your lips? I use it for my lips and I use it for the back of my hands usually. So I, I don't actually mind 
I do mind the greasiness in the sense that I'm not going to usually put it on my palms because I want to be able to grip a pen and and write with it and and not get annoyed by that sensation of greasiness. So that's why I usually just reserve it for the back of my hands. But it's it's definitely useful, and I do find that it's just the most most effective thing, it's the cheapest. So you right on right on the money about those two points. Hmm. So I have a question. Why do you know why some creams are are more oily than others? So when Valerie talked about emulsions, I just wanted to talk about how you can either have either oil and water or water and oil creams. So if you have oil and water creams, those are actually called vanishing creams. So you might have seen seen those uh, marketed on on the shelves in the stores. These ones spread very easily and they do not leave skin like the skin feeling greasy or sticky. But with the water and oil creams, those are, for example, the cold creams. So you've seen, probably seen that on, on the uh, market as well. Like the most common one, I think, is the Pond's cold cream. Those are, those are more greasy. And do you guys know what, what is uh, Vaseline considered? Probably an ointment because it's so greasy. Whenever I use it, it, I feel like it really does give that a protective film on the skin and it has such a strong softening and soothing effect on on dry skin. And even with my mom, too, she has she has to wash her hands so much um, because of her her line of her work and her skin actually gets so dry. It sounds kind of like Anne's where it's dry to the point where there's dermatitis or eczema where it's inflamed and cracks. So Vaseline, just the classic Vaseline moisturizes her sensitive skin without stinging those exposed cracks. That's right. I, I would agree that Vaseline is an ointment. And I just wanted to expand a little bit on what exactly the definition of an ointment is. So that's a semi-solid preparation of hydrocarbons, so like mineral oil, paraffins, and petrol atoms. So Vaseline is um, basically petroleum jelly. And I want to point out that the term that's used to describe having the quality of softening or soothing the skin is called an emollient. So ointments, like Vaseline, have strong emollient effects. It also has occlusive effects. And to break that down, that means that it provides like a physical barrier to prevent any loss of water. Yeah, I guess the downside of the of that is that it's really greasy and sticky and retains sweat. So it's not good to apply to hairy areas or hot weather conditions. That's true. That's a good point. And lastly, I just wanted to talk about uh, gels. So gels are like a transparent um, preparation in a water or a water alcohol mixture. So you'll see the ingredients cellulose, ethers, or carbromers listed on gel products. And these actually uh, liquefy in contact with skin, and then it dries. So, But, you know, by paradox, they actually tend to be a little bit more on the drying side. Uh, it seems like the majority of consumers will stick with creams and lotions for the most part because it has that happy balance of oils that will help retain water and a higher water contact that content that'll allow it to be absorbed easier without as much greasiness or stickiness. And when it comes to dry skin, though, higher concentrations of oils like creams and ointments are technically better. And not only that, they're actually also less irritating to the skin. However, I think if I wanted to use an ointment or a gel, I'm, I'm not wrong in doing either because I, I know what I'm getting myself into. Basically, if I wanted to use gels, gels would be better if I want something that's non-greasy and fast absorbing. And ointments, on the other hand, um, are okay too. If I want something that will stay on my skin for a really long time and I don't mind the oiliness, then ointments would be my go-to. Have you heard of urea and lactic acid and moisturizers? They're actually better for helping your skin hold in moisture too. Yes, they are. These are great products for people who have thick and scaly skin due to the skin overproducing excessive amount of keratin. And keratin is a protein that forms parts of the skin structure. The function of lactic acid then is just to break down this keratin layer and gently exfoliate the skin. But it also acts as a moisturizer because it is also used as a humectant by pulling in water and preventing water loss. Same goes for urea, right? At concentrations between 10 to 15%, these are great moisturizer for people with dry skin. But when you get to like 20 to 40%, the higher concentration not only is more expensive, but it can cause stinging 
if it's applied to raw, crack, or sensitive area of the skin, because at this high concentration, it also breaks down keratin. So don't use it unless you have extremely dry and rough skin, or if you have calluses, cones, or nail fungus infection. For example, if you have thick nails, you could apply layers of urea 40% cream to the nails, and then taping it in a dressing overnight can help soften your nail and make it easier so that you can clip it the next day. That's why sometimes you might see urea 40% combined with topical antifungal cream to help treat nail fungus. Now, this cream can also be useful to improve the ability of steroid creams like hydrocortisone and allow it to penetrate the skin better to help reduce the itch and the redness associated with dry skin. And it doesn't matter which one goes first. Just make sure that you have, uh, you leave about 30 minutes between applying moisturizers and medicated screen products as moisturizer could dilute the medicated cream. If you're looking for an ingredient, you know, beside the one that we're talking about, the urea, glycerin, petroleum, you can also try to find like ceramide, hyaluronic acid, or even dimethicone, which could also help create that barrier that reduce um, irritated skin. So if your t- uh, skin tends to irritate very easily, then look for the ingredient, dimethicone in the ingredient. Um, that could be something if you have really sensitive skin when you're trying to buy a moisturizer. Okay, so I had that quote at the beginning about uh, the brick in the mortar and the analogy of the skin. Um, so that same dermatologist, Dr. Scott Nicky, she did have a recommendation. So I just wanted to share that with you guys. So uh, Dr. Scott Nicky said, number one, your moisturizer should include oils and lipids like ceramide, like Anne had mentioned. And number two, there should be an ingredient that occludes the oils and lipids. So that would include examples like Vaseline or, or shea butter, meaning that there would be a physical barrier to prevent any water loss to keep in those moisturizing properties. And last but not least, you need something that draws in water. So for example, like glycerin. I find that, you know, typically if your skin is normal and it hasn't get to that drying stage yet, lotion should be sufficient. But if your skin is really dry, then cream or ointment, because not a lot of people like even though that based on that recommendation, not a lot of people does like that greasy sensation from Mm -hmm. the Vaseline. So I don't even though we recommend it, but not a lot of people follow it because it's just not aesthetically appealing to them. Of course, this is a multi-billion dollar industry in terms of all of these different product lines. So just kind of curious if you guys, how how indulgent you guys are in, in regards to spending your money on moisturizers. I just remember like, um, I do, I do have this cream called Bumpum Cream. Apparently a year ago is actually one of the hype uh, moisturizing product on the market. It actually does work quite well, but I just really don't like the scent of it. Um, my husband, every time I put it on, he's he's like, "What? Why are you putting bum bum cream on your hands? It shouldn't be for the bum." Like that's what I thought. So <laughs> the name itself is really like deceiving, right? Like, cause why would you call a cream bum bum cream? Is it, it only like one a- scent? If you sign up for Sephora this year, they they give out birthday samples, and in their trial, they do have different scents of product now for the bum bum cream. I only bought the one that in the in that orange uh, tub. Like if you mm-hmm. buy the full size, it's actually quite expensive too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, if you like don't really like the scents, then maybe this is not the right right product because it does has like a, a scent to it. But what does it smell like? An old granny or what, what is <laughs> no, that? No, I don't. I don't know how to describe the scent, but they do have different scents. Like some of them could be coconut, for example. Um, so you could try it out just if your birthday's coming up, like you have like a month to kind of go to Sephora to grab your samples gift. So they do have that or mascara and like a blush or whatnot in that kit. So try the bum bum cream. If your hands is really dry, it's, it comes in a really small side tube. So you can definitely use it um, in as a travel size when you travel or just put it in your pocket, for example. Every time you wash your hand, just make sure you reapply. Oh, I just remember something. Um, have you ever guy have you guy heard the product called gloves in a bottle? Gloves in a bottle? No, but I'm very intrigued. 
probably get like a bottle, like a 240 ml bottle for about 25 bucks on Amazon. And what it has in there is has that ingredients that I talked about earlier called dimethicone. And the idea is that it can create a barrier to help um, reduce irritated skin. Now on its own alone, it doesn't really do much, but um, the recommendations that I've, I've noticed and I've tried on personally is that um, after you moisturize your skin and let it dry, then you apply these gloves in a bottle over top. It's kind of trapping the moisture and and it's kind of keep your hand kind of, despite washing a lot, especially if your jobs involve a lot of hand washing and sanitizing, it's actually kind of trap the moisture in and it won't let it dry. But the idea is that it cannot be used alone. It should have some sort of, it works best when you actually moisturize your hand and then blood. Um, put the glove in a bottle of lotion on top of that. Um, and I mean, this one, it doesn't have a scent. It's dry pretty quick and it's not really greasy. And I don't feel that oily sensation that I do feel when I use Vaseline, for example. So is if your skin is like, you know, dry, itchy and crack and, and even bleeding, then I definitely recommend that you look into that gloves in a bottle, but just make sure that you moisturize your hand first and then put that gloves in a bottle lotion on top of that and just kind of continue to do that and you will definitely see the improvement on your on your hands. Good to wow. know, gloves in a bottle. How about you, Cecilia? Any, any last thoughts on expensive face products or just general body products for, for moisturizing? I don't really use expensive face products, but uh, going back to Anne's, uh, you know, when she was talking about birthday samples from Sephora, I did try uh, one of the birthday samples, which is uh, the brand called Drunk Elephant. Have you guys heard of it? It's it's really good. Um, so mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a little pricey, but I did try a little sample there. It's called the Protini Polypeptide Moisturizer. So I really enjoy it. It has like glycerin and also has like certain oils in it and this folic acid extract that they claim can maintain youthful looking skin but i don't need that because i uh, obviously you know 20, I am you're only 21, 21 exactly I mean. and you only you're only as old as you feel so <laughs> and they also have a peptide complex which binds moisture to skin so i actually thought this one was um you know it's, it's a little bit on the pricey side but it was uh i found it very uh very nice to apply on the skin uh i don't really use anything expensive like for my body because i i feel like you know i just use whatever i happen to have around the house i, I we do get a lot of moisturizers that as just like presents it seems to be a very common gift that people give for christmas and and things like that so uh, usually i have enough moisturizer on hand so i just use whatever i have like for example i have a lot of body butter from the body shop so i tend to use that um that that one's um you know it's it's okay like it's not my fear it's very moisturizing but i do find it very greasy uh valerie do you use anything expensive or anything like any brands that we haven't talked about that you want to mention no, I think that's pretty much it. Sometimes I, I've dabbled into Shiseido, but that was more as a gift thing and it, for like cleansing toner, moisturizer. I it, I feel like if you bought like the full bottle size of the stuff, it would be fairly expensive, but I don't even like it as much as the CeraVe and the Cetaphil stuff. But it doesn't mean that I'm going to omit it in in the future, trying other product lines within within Shiseido. So, um, but I'm just trying to use up what I have right now. I, I I did actually hear good things about the the polypeptide moisturizer, the drunk elephant that you mm-hmm. that you had as well. So it, it's good to hear like a, a actual testimonial from someone I know who used it. So it sounds like you did enjoy your experience with it, though. Hey, I did. I would I would go back and get more birthday samples from Sephora. <laughs> right. But, yes. <laughs> But I mean, at the end of the day, I find that dry skin is just mainly your own habits as well. And as long as you moisturize frequently, um, why don't we discuss some preventative options that people could do to kind of keep your skin moisturized? Okay, I think, we allude, I think we alluded to this before, but we were talking about bathing. And I think we had talked about using kind of lukewarm or warm water rather than hot, although we do all really enjoy our hot, uh, hot showers or baths. But the other thing is to limit your shower time to, um, you know, maximum 10 minutes just to make sure you're not, uh, you know, stripping your skin of those natural oils. And another tip um, that you could implement in your life to help uh, keep dry skin under control is to bathe or shower. Uh, not every day, but uh, every two to three days. And um, 
Again, sometimes um, we found some success with some people doing this, but you can also add bath oils during the last few minutes of a bath, or you can apply these bath oils to the skin while it's still wet and then just pat it dry. Um, just make sure you're careful with this because um, if you do add bath oils to the tub, it will be slippery. So there is a fall hazard if you add it directly to the tub. So just make sure you're careful about that. When you're getting out of the shower or the bath, uh, make sure you don't rub your skin with the towel. I know this is kind of like instinct for a lot of people, but this will actually, if you do rub against your skin, this will actually further irritate the skin. So it could potentially, if you already have dry skin, it could potentially make it worse. So instead of rubbing, just make sure you do blot your skin gently um, and dry with a towel. I would actually, I would recommend maybe instead of using bath oil, just when you take out, get out of shower, just pat your skin dry, um, but let it a little bit wet so that when you apply the intensive moisturizer to your skin, it traps in that 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 moisture. So don't like, completely like dry out your skin right after you sh- get out of the shower there. That's a good tip. Um, Valerie, do you have any tips? I will just make a quick statement about the soaps and detergents. You want to wash with a gentle, fragrance-free cleanser. Soaps do make dry skin worse, so maybe try using a mild soap instead without perfumes, using a mild cleanser. Avoid using soap on dry skin unless on dry skin areas unless you actually need to remove visible dirt or oil, and choosing non-irritating clothes and laundry detergent. Yeah, stay away from those soaps with like um, perfume or scented or even alcohol soap, for example, that can definitely strip away your natural oils. Especially during the wintertime when we have to activate our furnace and it's blowing that hot air, your humidifier should be pretty much running at the same time as the furnace anyway. So you want to add moisture to the air by adding a humidifier. If you need to have your own external humidifier to keep in your bedroom just for some extra moisture, then then that's something that you can look into as well. And you want to keep the room temperature at the lowest comfortable level in the winter and avoid electric heat when possible since that's more drying. A lot of people also forget about your lip too, right? So your lip does get dry and chapped during the winter. And, you know, then instead of using something to help moisturize the lip, we tend to lick the lips and it's become a vicious cycle because it's actually irritate the lips more. So one of the good lip balm that I, I receive as a gift and I find that it's actually very good moisturizer for your lip is called the Eco Brand. I don't know if you've um, heard of it, but it's a very popular lip balm for your lips. With a little so round one? You, uh, kind of like a, a lipstick size. So I don't like the one where you have to dab your finger in. I'd rather just non-touch, especially with the COVID nowadays. Um, but I guess they probably have a lot of different lines on the market. But if you find that your, your lips kind of sting or tingle after you apply the lip balm, then you probably want to switch to a different uh, product because... That's um, that's usually is not a good sign for your lips if it's become stinging or tingling after you apply the lip balm. And then my last tip is uh, just in terms of I'm really bad and guilty of not doing this, but making sure you moisturize right after you've dried your skin from the shower. So that's usually the prime time to lock in that moisture. And so make sure you do apply moisturizing lotion or cream um, to the skin. So usually at least twice a day is a good recommendation. So morning and night, or if your skin is very rough and dry and scaly and flaking, then more often is is good. And if you don't, um, you know, if you... Uh, use regular moisturizers, and that does, still doesn't relieve the dry skin, like we mentioned before, like using a product using uh, containing urea or lactic acid, that can also be uh, be used as well. Good points, good points. And isn't there also a growing interest in natural oils for dry skin too? I have heard Mineral of that. oils, maybe, yeah. Um, there's evidence for a couple oils that I've seen and heard of. So there's evidence for virgin coconut oil and also sunflower seed oil. And they both have uh, studies establishing their role in skin barrier repair. So just to expand a little bit on that. So sunflower seed can actually preserve the top skin um, of the of the layer integrity. And that actually improves, um, you know, hydration of the skin. And it also has uh, linoleic acid, which enhances the skin cell proliferation and the lipid synthesis. And you also have, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about coconut oil, because I've heard that this can be actually quite effective for dry skin as well. And uh, for people with mild to moderate dry skin, they have found it to to have 
quite um, quite a bit of success. I, I personally, I've never used any sort of oils for my dry skin. Have either of you two or known anyone who has with success? Not me. I have not. Yeah, so maybe we can just quickly go on to a recap of today's bottom line. Okay. Um, so dry skin can be seen, you know, whether or not you have skin conditions or underlying medical conditions. So like we talked about, it can happen to anyone at any age. And the key to preventing and treating this is uh, moisturizing. And, you know, if you're wondering, if you're standing at the shelf and you're wondering, should I use a lotion, a cream, an ointment or a gel? That latch, uh, use a product that has lactic acid, urea or neither. So the answer to these questions really depends on your dry skin severity and location of the dry skin. So we'll get more into the decision-making process about what to use for certain skin conditions in future episodes. I just want to add that I, I know that we list out a whole bunch of recommendations for dry skin remedies, but if you try all our tactics that we listed for a week and nothing has changed, um, maybe it's time that you make an appointment to see a doctor, especially if, you're, if your skin is really itchy and keep you up at night or if your skin begins to bleed. Um, just It's always safe just to make sure that it's nothing more serious by second, getting a second opinion from a healthcare professional making sure that there's not something else that's underlying in terms of a diagnosis that might be causing this from happening in the first place. With that in mind, I have been meaning to take better care of my skin for years. As I had mentioned, it's not really translated into any set routines. But with with in talking about that, let's move on to our mindless chatter segment today. We're going to be talking about New Year's resolutions. Do you guys usually make New Year resolutions? I do I always, so, but they're usually the same. But uh, I, I don't—I I didn't really have anything specific for 2020. Like I always have very general ones. Like I, we, I talked about like practicing gratitude and just being uh, more more grateful and and being able to share more time with friends and family. So those are always my overarching um, goals for for every year. But every year I try, do try to make something more specific. But I think 2020 actually I. Uh, I wanted to stick to, I, I was kind of like Valerie, I wanted to stick to and set exercise routine like three times a week. And I've been keeping track of that on a calendar. So I think I've been pretty good as well with keeping, keeping to that. Uh, on January the 12th, so 10 days usually later, January the 12th is a popular day where people say, oh, <laughs> You know, forget this. <laughs> forget this. <laughs> yeah, done with that. Yeah, so more than half of all resolution um, people who tend to make resolutions tend to fail on that day. But I mean, personally, like I don't like to have like I don't want to wait for one year just to make a resolution. I try to make it on a weekly and monthly basis as a self improvement um, method. So I mean, I just make them randomly. It doesn't have to be beginning of the year, for example, or at the end of the year where you kind of reassess what happened to you, to your whole year. I just make it as I go. But um, what if you do make resolutions, like, do you, is there something that you want to share? I mean, I know the popular topic right now is like weight loss and quitting smoking. Um, but you both are pretty quit and you don't really... I was going to say, are so. you insinuating something about <laughs> yes. us? I was like, how so, did you know that? I so that probably doesn't fit you. <laughs> yeah. And Fortunately are you calling not. us obese? <laughs> Gosh, Anne. No, I actually, uh, my, I think if I were to make a 2021 specific New Year resolution, I have been inspired by Valerie's finance learning. So I know that's one area that I am, like, I have little to zero knowledge on. So I would want to learn more about finances. Um, so that would be mine. What about you, Valerie? Do you have any 2021 New Year resolutions? I think I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> so do everything at once. Do everything. Just trying to keep up with the exercise, which I have been doing, you know, continue mm -hmm. expanding on this podcast, working with you wonderful ladies. Um, also, ongoing process is learning about personal finance again, um, just trying to get into, you know, mostly concentrating on ETF investments at this point in time, trying to see if we can join that fire movement. Haha, <laughs> it won't happen, but <laughs> one can dream. And just you like a lot know. of the other resolutions that I always have is, um, you know, learning how to play guitar, getting better at drawing, all of these types of things. But I do agree with Anne that it shouldn't be like, 
you wait at December to see, oh, did I do any of this stuff? I think it's important to, yes, do the weekly and the monthly checkups, actually, just to see how you're doing. And it's fine to, I think, park some of the uh, goals that you have for a while, because other things are going to take precedence, other things pop up that take your time and your effort and your energy. But I think it's important to recalibrate more frequently and say to yourself, okay, I, I've been putting this learning Chinese off for, for three months already do i have time to do it now and then make a plan to actually how to make that uh make it actionable yeah a lot of this new year resolution tend to fail because they say one of the reason is that you do it because someone else or society telling you that you have to change or or the fact that your resolutions is just too vague and you don't really have a realistic plan to achieve that resolution. So I would suggest like Cecilia, when you say finance, if you want to be successful in that, just make sure that you make it more specific and more clear. Like for example, say um, to learn about finance, I would listen to like one financial podcast a week or something, or read this article once uh, two weeks, uh, for example. So kind of like be more specific if you want to be successful, um, if you're one of those people who like to make resolutions and go for yourself. So what you're saying is to make them SMART goals. So specific, mm -hmm. measurable, is it achievable, realistic, and timely? Yeah, and make sure that it's relevant to you and not just what people are telling you that you you know, what's popular and what's not out there. So just because they say, you know, quit smoking, well, we always encourage you to quit smoking, right? But if you're not motivated, then it's, it's harder to achieve that resolution. So just make sure that, you know, whatever you plan to do, kind of sit down and kind of go through, be specific in what you want. And is it realistic? Like, you know, say that you want to retire by the time you're 30 is not a realistic goal, but maybe make it more specific by saying, okay, every week I'll save like $100 a month. So that, you know, is more achievable. So kind of give yourself some leeway and enough time, like kind of achieve smaller wins. Usually smaller wins uh, eventually gradually be a bigger goal. So always kind of pat yourself on the back if you achieve something, because every little step that you take is, is a move forward to, to achieving your goals, right? That's right. Good advice. Thank you, Anne, for your wise words, as always. And um, well, I think that we are all looking forward to the new year ahead. I'm excited to see what 2021 has in store for our It Is Better to Know podcast. And for our listeners, again, if you have any questions, if you have any um, requests for topics that you would like us to do, then drop us a line, DM us on our on any of our platforms where that you're using to listen to our podcast. Uh, we wish everyone a happy new year and we'll see you in 2021. We just want to thank you, you guys, for making 2020 such a great success for us. Thank you for your support and for listening in to us every week. We hope that you keep listening because we still have so much more new episodes to share from plan B to birth control to iron deficiency to diet and weight loss. So be sure to join us next week. And as always, my beautiful friends, stay curious and have a great new year. Well, that's the end of our segment. Thank you for supporting this podcast. Since this is a new podcast and we really want to expand our listeners, to help us do that, we would love for you to take a moment, head to where you listen to our show and hit subscribe. Thank you for helping us get the word out. We really appreciate it. Curious Music is performed by Bonsai Mammal, written by Andrew Southwell and Jimmy Harry. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and should not be taken as medical advice. As every individual is unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. You've got